It's time to eat. Get in my belly. Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. On the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast. Yeah, let's eat, baby. It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, and it is week number, gosh, what is it, week 10, week 11 now? Week 11 in the NFL? That is crazy. He is Joe Dolan, the number one ranked fantasy analyst in the world over the last five years. You can and should check him out on social media at FG underscore Dolan. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman, journeyman, five teams, seven years, 2001 to 2008. Now I have a bunch of different podcasts like the Ross Tucker football podcast. Today was a power rankings Tuesday. Also have the Even Money Sports Betting Podcast. That'll be tomorrow. Uh, you can check out the College Draft Podcast. Just broke that down. Georgia, Auburn, Baylor, Oklahoma with Matt Waldman, who's excellent from the Rookie Scouting Portfolio. You can also always check me out on social media at Ross Tucker NFL. You know the deal. This is the show that's so nice. We do it twice including all the early games here, Thursday night and early games in episode one, then the late games and Sunday night, Monday night, episode two, just so it's a little easier for you guys to digest. And that's how we do it. We also do it thanks to you guys being awesome listeners who aren't freeloaders. You rate and review the show or you spread the word by giving us a retweet on social media or you take advantage of any of our sponsors like Manscaped. By far the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. This, by the way, a great gift for the holiday season. I'm talking about the Manscaped Perfect Package 2.0. They've got in that... The Lawnmower 2.0, which has the proprietary advanced skin safe technology, so it won't nick or snag your you know what's. It's also waterproof, which is nice. They've got the crop preserver as well. You can get 20% off plus free shipping with the code FEAST at manscaped.com. Anyone that has anything to do with your nether regions will thank you. It's a game changer. I had a couple incidents earlier in my manscaping career. Thank goodness for Manscaped. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code FEAST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code FEAST. Clean up your nuts. Make Santa proud this year. All right, Joe, let's start with Thursday night. It's the Steelers and Dink and Dunk Rudolph against the Red Zone Challenged Browns. Why don't we start with Pittsburgh? Yeah, it's Dink and Dunk Pittsburgh against Stink and Stunk Cleveland here, Ross. Uh, 
It's well, Cleveland actually got a win here last week, but we'll get to them. The thing with Pittsburgh is I'm just not really sure who we can trust on this team offensively. Um, two weeks ago, James Washington had that awful game on Monday night football and he's in there and dropping passes. And then I'm like, it's over for him. He, he just, they can't trust him. Deontay Johnson's ahead of him. He comes out and he has two really good games, including catching six passes and a touchdown last week and a big win for the Steelers against the Rams. Meanwhile, Juju Smith-Schuster has Jalen Ramsey follow him into the slot. So defenses just do not respect these other Pittsburgh wide receivers. And, and to Mason Rudolph's credit, he's actually getting the ball to the other receivers. It's just been very unpredictable for them. At this stage, there are a bunch of threes and fours at the wide receiver position. Juju's a three. I'm not sure Denzel Ward's going to follow him into the slot. I don't think that's something that Cleveland is going to have him do. Uh, but Juju is just a product of Rudolph at this point, And it's not very good at this stage. The thing for Pittsburgh is, do they get James Conner back? He seems to be trending in the right direction. He made no promises when he talked about his injury on Monday, but he seems to be trending in the right direction. And if he were to get back onto the field, he is instantaneously in the RB1 conversation. Uh, Jalen Samuels did a respectable job, but not great. Uh, they were trying to get Tony Brooks James involved. Uh, sounds like an NBA player. Um, I, I never even heard of him before last week. So unfortunately, the Steelers back field um, didn't produce as much as you would have liked to see but James Conner if he's back this week right back in the RB1 conversation I think he's their most important player offensively got it and we haven't even talked about him whatever happened to Vance McDonald is he still alive he uh, he's still there he's still around uh last week against the uh against the the Rams he played, let's see here, uh, six, 97% of the snaps, and he actually got seven targets, Ross. Uh, it just hasn't been happening too much for him. Um, I think you can play him and hope he gets a touchdown. That's about it, though. There, there's uh, there's some other tight end options that I think are more appealing. What about uh, for the Browns, where they had to put Kareem Hunt in the mix and they benched Callaway for whatever reason in favor of Rashard Higgins, who got a touchdown, game-winning yeah, touchdown? Higgins yeah, he actually scored the game-winning touchdown, but it was his only target of the game. Uh, there, there was a clear focus from the Browns to get both Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt involved. And I got to give Freddie Kitchens and his staff some credit. I did not think they were going to handle this well at all. I had used all the mountains of evidence that they had presented to us about their offensive play calling to this point and decided this was going to be a disaster. But I got to be honest, I was pretty impressed with their plan with Kareem Hunt. Nick Chubb played 82% of the snaps last week. Kareem Hunt? Played 55% of the snaps. They were on the field a lot together. Kareem Hunt uh, lined up out wide or in the slot on 14 snaps, and that bears out in the numbers. He had nine targets and seven receptions. At this point, I think Hunt is a high-end flex. And the best news of all, Nick Chubb's role did not shrink at all. He had 20 carries. He had four targets. He's really not been getting in the end zone of late, but fortunately for Nick Chubb, he is getting touches, and I think that's going to continue. The backfield is the best way for Cleveland to offset the protection issues they have, and that's that's key against Pittsburgh, which is one of the most aggressive defenses in the NFL. Um, the Minka Fitzpatrick continues to try to prove me wrong. I did not like the trade for Pittsburgh, not because of Minka Fitzpatrick, but because of the position the Steelers were in. They have since won four straight games with Minka Fitzpatrick, arguably, if not likely, their best player over that stretch. So this is yet another tough matchup for Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham, and that Browns passing game. And one more thing. 
Jarvis Landry in the slot, the Steelers held Cooper Cup catchless last week. Catchless. Now, a lot of that might have been on Jared Goff, but Baker Mayfield's not exactly playing inspiring football either, Ross. This is a tough matchup for Cleveland. This is a game that, that feels like an under game to me. Interesting. Okay. Um, what about we'll move on to the next game, and that is the Falcons at the Panthers. How about, Joe, that devastating Falcons defense? I think it was seven sacks through their first eight games, and then they had six against the Saints. Uh, raise your hand if you were eliminated from your survivor pool by that, because I was. Uh, the Saints just just absolutely no-showed, and the Falcons really showed up for the first time all season. Uh, the Falcons uh, here are, are going to be shorthanded, though, offensively. Austin Hooper's going to miss a few games with a knee injury. It looks like Devontae Freeman's going to miss a few games with a foot injury. Uh, Ross, and that means Brian Hill is going to be the running back here. They had put Ito Smith on IR. He's probably the most popular waiver wire pickup of the week. The problem is this team has not been able to run the football at all this season. Brian Hill, 61 yards rushing on 20 carries. He did score a receiving touchdown. I feel like that's where he's going to have to make his hay. The good news is Carolina has given up more touchdowns to the running back position than any team in professional football. This is an opportunity for Brian Hill to get in the end zone. Consider him an RB2 high-end flex this week. The only reason I'm not ranking him higher is because the Falcons have been completely unable to run the football this season. Okay, what about uh, they've got some injury issues, Hooper, sure. um, receivers, what do you got? No, uh, no tight ends are appealing here. They've been playing Jaden Graham, uh, Luke Stocker here. Neither one of those guys is appealing to me uh, at, at the tight end position to fill in for Austin Hooper. So maybe you think they get a couple more checkdowns to Brian Hill. Maybe that's a feather in Brian Hill's cap if you're picking him up this week. Uh, more so, you think the targets are going to go to Julio Jones and to Calvin Ridley. It's been a disappointing season for both of them, especially for Ridley, who really hasn't gotten going at all. And last week at Lance, actually played defense for the first time all season, and Matt Ryan didn't have to throw the football. He, he threw for under 200 yards in that game, and Julio really needed that 59-yard reception uh, in that game to really make any sort of hay whatsoever. So I consider Julio more of a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two. I think Ridley's in the low-end wide receiver three mix. The one guy that I think I would point out if you are desperate for a potential PPR option, somebody who you might want to put into a DFS lineup for cheap because you think uh, uh, Matt Ryan's going to have to look across the middle of the field to somebody else because he doesn't have Austin Hooper, that's going to be Russell Gage, the wide receiver from Atlanta. He's he's played Mohamed Sanu's old role. He has 11 catches on 14 targets in their last two games. Really low yards per reception. He's under eight yards per reception. But he's been the guy that they have looked to in the middle of the field without Sanu. And now without Austin Hooper, I think Russell Gage has some deep sleeper and cheap DFS value. On the other side, the Carolina Panthers, do you make anything? I mean, you're playing McCaffrey anyway. You make anything out of them claiming Mike Davis off of waivers? Nothing really. Um, it, it, all right, what Mike McCaffrey go from 100% of the snaps to 90%? Sure. Mike Davis is probably better than Reggie Bonifon or Jordan Scarlett, but uh, it, it's nothing that I'm going to to panic about. You're, you're playing McCaffrey a lot. 
Uh, you're, you're clearly playing him each and every week. Um, the tight end position is interesting because they had a good matchup last week against the, the Packers, and Greg Olson came through. He caught eight passes on 10 targets. He played every single snap offensively. I don't know if I have seen this by any other team this year, but in week number 10, the Panthers had three skill position players play every single snap outside of their quarterback. Christian McCaffrey, DJ Moore, and Greg Olson all played 100% of their snaps. For fantasy purposes, we love that. This is a narrow fantasy team. There is only four guys plus the quarterback you can consider. McCaffrey, DJ Moore, who quietly, I think, has gone over 100 yards receiving in each of his last two games. Curtis Samuel and Greg Olson. That's it. And with, with Moore and Samuel going against this Falcon secondary, look, they came out last week. They came out fired up. They played hard for Dan Quinn. I'm going to give them a bunch of credit. The markets aren't exactly changing on the Falcons. They're six-point underdogs. I think the Panthers are a team that can take advantage of some of their deficiencies. I consider DJ Moore a wide receiver two this week. I think Curtis Samuel's a high-end wide receiver three. Interesting DFS option. And if you want to go cheap for your DFS quarterback, want to stream a quarterback, this is a good week to use Kyle Allen, who, in my opinion, played really well in Green Bay last week. Um. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you that, kind of where you're at with Kyle Allen these days. He's a matchup-based streamer, and it's because as narrow a fantasy team as this is, this is they are talented. They don't have a lot of depth. When you're playing Jarius Wright 62% of the snaps, it, it's, it just shows you that you don't have a ton of depth. Um, but they do have good high-end ability with more Samuel Olsen and McCaffrey. That's a that's a solid supporting cast for Kyle Allen. I think he's played solid football. And in a good matchup, which I still view this as, I think he's a decent streamer and DFS option at quarterback. The next game on the docket is another Sunday 1 o'clock game. It's the Cowboys at the Lions. And kind of crazy that the Cowboys record is what it is when I feel like Dak is playing so well, Joe. I think it's coaching. Um, I, I think – I mean, that really is it. It's hard, to, it's hard to really put it on anything else. What I see in Dak Prescott right now – is a guy who has a lot of trust in his wide receivers to make plays, and those receivers are making plays for him. You know, that the touchdown throw to Amari Cooper, where Amari Cooper got the two feet inbounds, is a perfect example. In my mind, it was pretty much, it was probably a perfect throw because the only person who's making a play on that ball was Amari Cooper. That ball was two yards out of bounds. But if he's throwing that ball to an average receiver, that looks like an inaccurate throw. And that's why I think there's the relationship between Prescott and his receivers is so good right now because they're making plays for him and he's allowing them to make plays. It's a great kind of a symbiotic relationship right now between him and those receivers. And you're right. I mean, he, he played a high-end game. They took the ball out of his hands late. And they paid the price against Minnesota for it. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen again. That being said, Detroit, prior to last week against the, the Bears, had been a really bad run defense. Uh, they, they had given up the most fantasy points in the league to, to running backs. I would expect the Cowboys to continue doing what they're doing. We're going to give Ezekiel Elliott the football. I don't think that's going to change a whole lot. Um, so I think this is a bounce-back game for Ezekiel Elliott, who probably is hearing the criticism from last week from what happened on Sunday night. I think the Cowboys are going to give Zeke the ball, especially if Detroit is not able to uh, play from ahead if Matthew Stafford can't play in this game. As we're recording this, 
this game is not on the boards in Vegas because we don't know about Matthew Stafford. But the Cowboys would probably be favored anyway, a short favorite. Maybe that would approach a touchdown if Matthew Stafford doesn't play. That would be a big boon for Ezekiel Elliott, who still played 99% of the snaps last week for Dallas. Um, looking at it for uh, the – what about the receivers and tight ends? Well, Darius Slay has been dinged up all year. Um, and I think this is another example of Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper right now, to me, I, I don't want to say matchup proof, but he's the perfect example of somebody who where matchups go both ways. And Amari Cooper is as tough a matchup for any corner in football as there is right now. He is a slam dunk wide receiver one. Michael Gallup's upside is too high to play him at, uh, to, to play him as anything less than a high-end wide receiver three. And even if you're struggling, Randall Cobb's been making a couple plays in recent weeks. In the slot, I think he's got a, a solid matchup here against Detroit as well. I think all of those guys are full systems go. Uh, the problem is I do not trust the tight end position at all. I don't want to be playing either one of these guys. Blake Jarwin, I think, gives the Cowboys more than Jason Witten gives them. At this stage, the issue is the Cowboys don't seem to agree because Jarwin played only 32% of the snaps to, to Witten 79% against the Vikings on Sunday night. Those two guys are just sucking from each other. It, it, neither one of them can be trusted. On the other side, you've got the Lions, and obviously the Lions were a little up in the air with Matthew Stafford's status, but mm -hmm. uh, people need to make decisions sometimes Thursday night, sometimes later. What, what are you telling people? Well, uh, the one thing that I will say is I was actually encouraged by how the Lion receivers performed against a tough bear defense. And I, I don't think – I think this Cowboy defense is solid, but I don't think it's, it, it's Bears level. Um, so I would think I was encouraged by how the receivers performed against Chicago last week, even with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. Six uh, six targets, 77 yards for Marvin Jones, 57 yards on nine targets for Kenny Galladay, but he scored a touchdown, including the 47-yarder. It was a little bit more inconsistent, obviously, than you were getting from Stafford, who, in my opinion, was playing at a borderline MVP level. Obviously wouldn't be getting any consideration because the Lions are sub-500, but I thought he was throwing the ball super well. Um, I think those guys are both playable as wide receiver twos. Um, I would probably shy away if Stafford does not play from the Amendolas and the Hawkinsons of the world. Hawkinson actually got six targets last week. Amendola had eight. Unfortunately, Amendola turned those eight targets into only 29 yards. I'm probably shying away from those guys if it's Jeff, Jeff Driscoll again. Um, and obviously the running backs... Anything else we'll need to be said about the Lions? We'll, say, we'll see about Ty Johnson. He left this game with a concussion. If Ty Johnson doesn't play, I do think you can take a shot on J.D. McKissick. The one thing that the Cowboys really struggled with against Minnesota last week, and I think they've struggled with overall this season, is defending the screen pass. Now, Minnesota's a phenomenal screen team, and Dalvin Cook might be one of the two or three best screen receivers in the NFL right now. But J.D. McKissick can definitely do those things. He had seven targets last week against the Bears. Again, we're seeing this inefficiency with Jeff Driscoll at quarterback. He turned those seven targets into six receptions for only 19 yards. But if you're in a PPR league, six receptions matter, even if he gets zero yards. So if, if, if even if you're in a PPR league and Ty Johnson does not play, I actually think you could consider J.D. McKissick an RB2 this week against this Dallas defense that really struggled to defend the screen last week against Minnesota. Um, for the next game, it's the Jags. And the Colts, Jags with Nick Foles. Been waiting to hear your thoughts 
unfolds in the offense with him in it? Well, I don't know if it's going to be a whole lot different than I've thought about them with Gardner Minshew in the offense because I thought the offense was operating pretty well with Minshew until he started catching the turnover bug uh, the last couple of weeks. And I think that's what ultimately sealed his fate because Foles uh, has been, has really over the last few years been known for his ability to take care of the football pretty well. Um I don't know if I'm doing a significant upgrade for anybody in this offense. Now, DJ Chark, maybe with Foles, the deep ball comes into play a little bit more. Um, I, I consider him a strong wide receiver, too. I don't think that's changing at all. And it's worth pointing out that Nick Foles had strong rapport with D.D. Westbrook during the preseason. Maybe D.D. Westbrook is somebody who, coming down the stretch here in the stretch run, starts to produce at a higher level with Nick Foles at quarterback. But I'm not going to do any significant upgrades or downgrades. I might just raise the floor a little bit for these guys. We already saw what the ceiling is for Chark. Chark, I mean, was putting up some borderline wide receiver one numbers early in the year, even with Minshew. I think his floor now becomes a little bit higher with Nick Foles at quarterback. I think the floor of the entire offense is raised, and that includes Leonard Fournette, who is a slam dunk RB1 just because of his role. Another one of those narrow fantasy teams here, Ross. You can play the two receivers, you can play uh, Leonard Fournette, and I think you can give consideration to streaming Nick Foles this week, although I might want to wait another week just to see what he looks like out there. All right. And then what about for anybody else on the Jags we need to talk about, or can we move to no, the Colts? No, there's, there's really nothing for them that, that really intrigues me. I, it did, for those of you who are looking to kind of strengthen your bench for the playoff run, just keep in mind that the Jags used Ryquel Armstead as their hurry-up back. Now, the game was out of hand, the London game against Houston the last time they played, but they used Ryquel Armstead as their hurry-up back. He caught five passes for 65 yards. I'm not saying that he is going to have a role independent of Leonard Fournette. I do not think that's going to happen. But what he did show is that he can catch the ball. And if Leonard Fournette were to get injured, Ryquel Armstead probably becomes a league winner. And this has been a really bad year on the waiver wire. There haven't been, this is, a, this is my 11th year in the fantasy industry. I don't think I've seen a year to this point up until week 11 where there have been fewer true impact players who have come off the waiver wire and have really turned teams into juggernauts. That has not happened. But one of these guys, if a, a big time running back gets hurt down the stretch, like a Leonard Fournette, Ryquel Armstead would be in that conversation. So if you're looking at your waiver wire and you're like, oh my God, why do I still have Deion Lewis on my team? Why do I still have Corey Davis on my team? Why do I still have Frank Gore on my team? You can pick up a guy like a Ryquel Armstead and say, you know what? Look, I, I don't want you're not betting on an injury, but in the event it happens, we know the Jaguars are going to run the football. And, you know, based on how he's been used, that Ryquel Armstead can catch the ball. He can run the ball. He's somebody who could probably give me big time production if he gets 20 touches down the stretch. Let's go to the Colts. That was a very disappointing offensive performance, Joe, and uh, frankly, yeah. surprising. I thought Hoyer and the Colts would do a lot better than that. Well, because he played well in week number nine, but here is exactly why Brian Hoyer is a life, lifelong, career-long backup and had never, ever uh, been in consideration for a true starting job because these games happen. He played well against Pittsburgh despite the interception uh, to Minka Fitzpatrick, and then he comes out against the Dolphins and just, and just vomits all over the field. I mean, this was an atrocious game. To be fair to Brian Hoyer, 
They did not have T.Y. Hilton. They did not have Paris Campbell. Um, it was not a, a full-strength Indianapolis Colts team by any stretch of the imagination. What was interesting is that there was a report last week that Eric Ebron went to head coach Frank Reich and said, look, I think I can do more for this team than you're letting me do. And then he comes out, plays 61% of the snaps to lead all their tight ends, which was a huge increase over his week number nine role. And he saw 12 targets. Now he caught only five of those targets. Uh, he, uh, Hoyer was intercepted on a target to him in the end zone. Ebron had his characteristic drops. However, he saw 12 targets, which by far, led Indianapolis. So if Jacoby Brissett comes back this week, and I do expect him to play, I wonder if Eric Ebron's increase in role is going to hold up. So we have to keep an eye on T.Y. Hilton, and we have to keep an eye also on the potential return of Devin Funches from a collarbone injury. He can come off of IR. If he returns, I think he'll be thrown right into the lineup. This is a team that was throwing Marcus Johnson, Zach Pascal, and Chester Rogers out there as their top three wide receivers against the Dolphins last week. I would think if Hilton and Funches are back, they are instantly the top two receivers on this team. But I wonder if Eric Ebron's role as a heavily used pass catcher is going to stick. Because he he went he made a noise about it he didn't he didn't call on anybody publicly he just went to Frank Reich and said hey what can we do here and they and they uh, greased the squeaky wheel giving him twelve targets against Miami last week yeah I saw that um, what about running backs for the Colts well last week was a huge disappointment because the Colts are at home against Miami and you think all right home against Miami this is a Marlon Mack game. Marlon Mack got 19 carries, but he gained only 74 yards, and he is an utter zero in the passing game. A zero. And at this point, Marlon Mack is like lowercase Derrick Henry for fantasy. Henry is, at this point, he's more reliable. He even catches the ball more than Marlon Mack. He is an entirely game flow dependent back who, if game flow goes against you, all of a sudden, it's, it's not going to be a pretty game for him. That being said, I would trust him this week at home with Jacoby Brissett expected back against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Marlon Mack is uh, – look, it's nothing against him. I actually think he's looked pretty good this year. But Marlon Mack has been somebody who uh, it has been really game flow dependent. And if he doesn't get in the end zone, he's he struggled to produce. Worth pointing out, in two games against the Jaguars last year – uh, Marlon Mack had just 20 carries for 56 yards against the Jags. This is a worse Jaguar defense, but he did not have success against them last year. Um, we can move on then. It's the Bills and the Dolphins. Uh, let's talk Bills first, and I want your opinion on Josh Allen, both fantasy and as a real quarterback. Well, for fantasy, he's much better than he is as a real quarterback at this point. I think that's pretty obvious, I and mean, it was obvious last year. Uh, the one thing about Allen is I, I think people are probably going to be overall pleased with the fact that he isn't turning the ball over all that much this year, at least in comparison to where he was last year. Uh, last year, he had 12 interceptions in 12 games. He's only got seven this year. Uh, his touchdown rate is up slightly to 3.5%. His interception rate is way down from 3.8% to 2.5%. However, he hasn't made a lot of progress in some other areas. His passer rating is up. However, his QBR, uh, ESPN's uh, total quarterback rating, is down. He's been one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL by that regard. His yards per attempt 
is pretty stagnant, 6.5 last year to 6.8 this year. Uh, his adjusted yards per attempt, which is which is a, a, a metric that includes interceptions, is up. But he's still doing the same things that he struggled with uh, last year. Missing open receivers, throwing the ball behind guys, and those mistakes are exacerbated when you're throwing a lot to a to a backup tight or to a young tight end in Dawson Knox who's dropping footballs. So I don't think Allen has progressed as much as I would like to see, but the obvious thing is he's a far better fantasy quarterback than he is a real life quarterback. He's got six rushing touchdowns. He had eight last year. It looks like he's going to shatter that. The problem is his yards per game in the rushing department is way down. He averaged 52.6 a year ago. He's down to only 30.6 this year. So he's really become a touchdown dependent quarterback who hasn't shown the ceiling that we saw at the end of last year. You would think now against Miami, this is a perfect opportunity for Josh Allen to rebound. Uh, he accounted for two touchdowns and 32 rushing yards against Miami back in week seven. He, I'm going to consider him a strong streaming quarterback this week in Miami. Should be some good weather down there for him. Um, and John Brown's been a really consistent receiver, though he hasn't gotten in the end zone. I would like to see Josh Allen connect more on some touchdown passes. Uh, it just hasn't happened to this point. I don't know what your evaluation of him is at this point, Ross, but to me, I see the same quarterback as last year, and that's frustrating because uh, I don't think there's a definitive call to make on him. If you liked him coming out of the draft, you see all the things you liked. If you didn't like him coming out of the draft, you see all the things you didn't like. I think Josh Allen, until we see him fall one way or the other, is going to be among the more polarizing play-to-play quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah, I think that's a. I think you described it well. I actually really like him, and I think he's really entertaining. Oh, he's I entertaining just, as hell. Yeah, he just has. He's got. I love how hard he plays. I, I just. He he he's like. Uh, he's got some Jameis Winston in his game, in terms of bad throws. Like even last week, he fumbled without anybody hitting him. You know, just mm-hmm. weird stuff like that. Um, that. I don't know if he'll ever get there as being like uh, the quarterback of a consistent playoff team, um, but I, I like watching him. Uh, what do you have for him in this matchup against the Dolphins from a fantasy perspective? Ross, are you familiar with the Leroy Jenkins meme? No, who's that? Okay, so about like 10 years ago, there was a meme, and it's a guy playing World of Warcraft online with his friends and by the name of Leroy Jenkins, and... Essentially what, what what's happening, to make a long story short, is all this entire party is planning on taking down a big bad boss. I don't play World of Warcraft, but it's a video game that you play online. And uh, they're taking trying to take down this big bad boss, and they're all doing a plan. And in the middle of the plan, this guy, Leroy Jenkins, just decides, screw it, I don't want to do the plan, and he runs right into the boss battle. That's what Josh Allen is to me. It's you respect the audacity of him. And you respect the competitiveness, but oftentimes it bites him in the butt. Does that make sense? Yes. And if anybody out there knows the Leroy Jenkins meme, you might actually get that. I would look it up, Ross. That's it, it was. Uh, I believe it was actually a Jeopardy clue at some point, and uh, it, it reached the mainstream. Anyway, I think it's a good matchup for for Josh Allen for fantasy. I think it's a great matchup for John Brown, who continues to be. One of only two receivers in the NFL with four four or more catches and 50 or more yards in every game this year. The other is Michael Thomas. The difference is um, 
uh, Brown does not get the volume or the touchdowns of Michael Thomas, which has been holding him back. But I still don't believe in this Dolphin defense. Josh Allen, whatever you think about him, he's better than Brian Hoyer. I think the Bills can score some points in this game. And I also think that means this is a good potential breakout game for Devin Singletary, who I'm going to love for DFS this week. Okay, what about uh, Dawson Knox or any of the receivers like John Brown? Well, John Brown, Cole Beasley. Brown is an every week like high end wide receiver three. If you need if you need Cole Beasley, he's a low end wide receiver three in a PPR. And uh, Dawson Knox, I think he's a high end tight end too. He's still struggling with drops, and when he's dropping the passes, and and Josh Allen, you can't rely on him to be particularly accurate. Um, I, I think that's a bad combination right now. How about on the other side, the Miami Dolphins? Man, I. I took them on the Even Money podcast, getting the points. Then people started almost, you know, talk me out of it with Balazs as the only running back with no Preston Williams. Yet they got it done for me, Joe. They are the hottest against the spread team in the entire NFL. You don't want to be laying points to the Miami Dolphins right now. You don't want to be standing in front of Fitzmagic. But you were you're right on, Ross. They do not have a lot right now offensively. Uh I, I mean, Devontae Parker's getting targets out of necessity. He's not really doing a ton with them, but he's a C solid enough wide receiver three, 10 targets this past week. Mike Kosicki got six targets. Unfortunately, he lost a fumble. So that breakout game of two two weeks ago, uh, he takes a he takes a downside against the Colts. Um, Kalen Balaj, I'm going to be completely honest. If I see a matchup this week or coming weeks, where my opponent is starting Kalen Balaj, I am going to giggle with joy. I just don't think the guy's very good. 20 carries, four targets, turned it into 45 yards from scrimmage on 82% of the snaps. This this is the classic example of a guy who blew up the combine who I just don't know. He reminds me of like Niall Davis. Do you remember Niall Davis? Yes. He was a straight line, big athlete who could fly, um, but just always looked the part better than he played it. Kalen Balazs reminds me of Niall Davis. He was somebody I had zero interest on the waiver wire, even with Mark Walton going down. Now, if you're just looking for volume, he had it. He had 24 opportunities. He played 82% of the snaps. I just don't trust him to do anything with that volume. What I think you need him to do is break off a fluky long play or have Devontae Parker or Gesicki or somebody get tackled inside the three-yard line so Balazs can clean up the garbage and score a touchdown. Anybody else to even – I mean, Gesicki sounds like a potential streaming option. Anybody else? It's Gesicki, it's Parker, and it's maybe Balazs. But even with – because this receiving core is so decimated right now, you can't even consider Fitzmagic, who in his career has made a decent, decent buck off of being a streaming quarterback. Okay, let's move on. Texans, Ravens, you got to be excited about this one. One o'clock, CBS, what do you got? Well, the, uh, there's a new favorite for the MVP every week, Ross, isn't there? And now nobody's talking about Deshaun Watson because he was off last week. You know, you can't talk about anybody who was off. Maybe Deshaun Watson comes out with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and he decides, hey, look, everybody's talking about Lamar Jackson. Everybody's talking about Russell Wilson. Nobody's talking about me. Um, the problem is this is a really, really tough Raven defense right now. And since that secondary has gotten shored up, um, they got Jimmy Smith back from injury. They acquired Marcus Peters. This has been a really tough defense to throw on. So I'm very curious what the Texans are going to do. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins continues to put up these Jason Witten stat lines, catching like nine passes for 73 yards and a touchdown. 
He's not exactly killing you, but he's not doing anything down the field. The two downfield guys have been Kenny Stills and Will Fuller, and it looks like Will Fuller has a shot to come back this week. And that would be big for Houston because you would anticipate Marlon Humphrey is going to give the shadow treatment to DeAndre Hopkins. So this is going to be a physical corner against a physical wide receiver. Uh, not to say that that Houston doesn't have guys who can defend all of across the secondary, but it is going to be a fascinating matchup. And if Will Fuller can play, it becomes all the more fascinating. All systems go on Fuller and Hopkins. Obviously, you're playing Hopkins each and every week. It is worth pointing out, though, that Duke Johnson had a season high in touches. Uh, I think he had 12 touches against Jacksonville back, uh, in, uh, back in London in week number nine. You wonder if this is going to be a Duke Johnson game in the backfield with this game lined at 50 points and Houston as a four point underdog that would suggest Duke Johnson, their play from behind running back is going to be important in this game. Okay. Um, on the other side, the Ravens loving the Ravens. I actually believe it or not had them number one in my power rankings today, which seems crazy, but the way it is, I mean, if they were playing in my backyard right now, a series of five, seven games, I don't know if there's a team that's better than the Ravens right now. Well, uh, you know, what do you got for them fantasy-wise? The 49ers lost, right? The Ravens have beaten the Patriots. The Seahawks, I still think, have problems defensively that you might want to. So I, I don't disagree with you. I think they're playing hot football right now. For fantasy, I adore this team because there's nobody to talk about. You're playing Lamar Jackson each and every week. I mean, it's the easiest call you have to make in fantasy. And if you want to play him in DFS each and every week, he's getting more expensive. But I don't have a problem with that either. I really don't. I mean, it like I played him in. He played three quarters last week, and I tripled my buy-ins on FanDuel because of him. So uh, if you want to play Lamar Jackson each and every week, be my guest. I have no problem with it. If you want to play Mark Andrews each and every week, two touchdowns this past week, no problems with it. Hollywood Brown. He only played 40-some percent of the snaps against Cincinnati. Still caught four passes and scored a touchdown. They went deep to him on the first play. Houston has significant issues in the secondary. You can start Hollywood Brown. Baltimore is a four-point home favorite in colder, presumably colder weather. The East Coast is supposed to be cold this week. You can play Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram was probably their only disappointment this past week because he only got nine carries. Now, he did score a touchdown, but he didn't need to do anything more than get nine carries. Lamar Jackson played like 33 snaps in that game against Cincinnati. The My money is on him having to play more snaps in this game because Houston isn't lifeless and Cincinnati's completely lifeless. But all four of those guys, Jackson, Brown, Andrews, uh, and, and Ingram, start them all, start them all without any sort of questions. All of them are viable for DFS, and there is nobody else here you can think about. Wow. All right. Then we can move on. It's Brandon Allen and the Broncos at the Vikings who have been very impressive without Adam Thielen. Uh, I was really impressed. Rudolph, Dalvin Cook. I don't think Kirk Cousins got enough credit for how he played either, quite frankly. What do you have on – why don't we start with the Broncos coming off the bye? Kirk Cousins is one of those quarterbacks, by the way, just to just – to, uh, build on your point, who I think people have seen enough of the meltdown games that they refuse to give him credit when he plays well, and he's playing well right now. You got to give him some credit. I mean, and he's getting it done for fantasy, but we will talk about him. There is absolutely no way in hell I am trusting Brandon Allen going into Minnesota right now. 
Now, maybe Minnesota's riding off the high of beating Dallas on the road, but I'm not trusting Brandon Allen going into da- uh, to, to Minnesota. He played against a broken Cleveland team uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm not trusting him. Minnesota defense is going to be one of my favorites for DFS this week. I'll guarantee you that right now. That being said, uh, I am intrigued by Cortland Sutton at the wide receiver position. We saw last week, I don't think Minnesota can cover. That's a big problem. Xavier Rhodes cannot run. Trey Waynes is dinged up. Mike Hughes got abused by the Cowboys. I think uh, Cortland Sutton is actually, if you think they're playing from behind, maybe you, you raise him into the wide receiver two conversation. At the very least, Brandon Allen showed some trust going down the field to Cortland Sutton in the Broncos' last game against Cleveland. So there's that for the Broncos. There's uh, Noah Fant for the Broncos. They played in week number nine against Cleveland. Uh, Noah Fant comes out and he catches four passes for a th- a hundred and he, uh, catches three passes for 115 yards. Obviously, that was a busted play by the Browns, but he showed some of that ability. I want to see what he can do. Maybe you pick him up and give him a start. But Brandon Allen, no way is he a streaming quarterback. And the backfield, I hate talking about this backfield. I got to be honest. They, they, There's no rhyme or reason to how they use Lindsey and Freeman. Lindsey's looked like the better player all year long. They insist on working in Freeman about half the snaps. There's not, like we were just talking with about Houston, like mm, this could be a Duke Johnson game because they're supposed to be playing from behind. There's no rhyme or reason with that for Denver. Sometimes they play Lindsey. Sometimes they play, play Freeman when they're behind. When they're ahead, sometimes they play Lindsey, like like against Cleveland. Sometimes they play Freeman. I, I, I don't get it. They're both flex plays for me at this point because say what you want about Joe Flacco, you have to think the ceiling and the floor for this offense are lowered with Brandon Allen in at quarterback. I would tend to agree with that. Um, what about... I mean, I think there's been one game so far, but what about like Sutton without without Emmanuel Sanders? Well, like I, I said, I, I don't think Minnesota can cover right now. I actually think that's one of the more underrated storylines because I do like this pass rush. I do like their linebackers, but their corners cannot run. Uh, and Mike Hughes, who can run a little bit, well, had a lot of trouble last week against the Cowboys receivers. Not saying Cortland Sutton is Amari Cooper, but Brandon Allen did show some trust in him going down the field against Cleveland for the touchdown. I wouldn't be shocked if he targets Cortland Sutton 10 times in this game. Um, what about for the Vikings when they're on offense? Dalvin Cook. 10-point favorites at home. Dalvin Cook coming off a spot against Dallas. What, he had, what, 34 touches in that game? This is a Dalvin Cook game. 33, excuse me. He had 33 touches. He had 97 yards rushing, 86 yards receiving. He had a rushing touchdown. This is a Dalvin Cook game big time. Big time Dalvin Cook game. We do have to see about um, about Adam Thielen. If Thielen does not go, I would expect Stefan Diggs to get the heavy Chris Harris treatment in this game. Uh, Diggs was the lone disappointment for uh, for Minnesota against Dallas last week, only 49 yards receiving. We'll see about Adam Thielen, who I think they expect back this week. Um, with uh, well, he's going to get the better matchup if he does play. The one thing I want to point out, Kyle Rudolph did have two touchdowns. And if you want to say, hey, they're using him in the red zone, more power to you. But over the last three games, Irv Smith, the tight end, has 17 catches. The rookie tight end, they've been using him quite a bit. He had five catches against Dallas, actually outgained and out-targeted. 
Kyle Rudolph. Rudolph had the two touchdowns, but Smith had more targets, catches, and yards than him. He's somebody who's really interesting to me. Uh, probably not as much from a fantasy standpoint, but I think he's very interesting from a dynasty keeper league standpoint because this guy looks like a big wide receiver out there. He can really run, and without feeling, he's essentially functioned as another receiver for them because Ola B.C. Johnson and Laquan Treadwell aren't necessarily getting the job done. So if Thielen doesn't play again, maybe as a setback, Irv Smith, if you're looking for super cheap bottom of the barrel DFS, is really interesting to me this week. I like that. I liked it a lot. Anything else on the Vikes? Um, I think if you're really dying at the running back position, maybe you have some injuries. Maybe you lost Devontae Freeman and you weren't able to get Brian Hill. They are 10-point favorites at home. Alexander Madison lost his first touchdown to replay review, and then Dalvin Cook cleaned it up. Maybe this is the week Alexander Madison closes out the game and gets his first rushing touchdown. Got it. Um, let's go to uh, let's go to the uh, Jets and the Redskins. Jets offense showed to. a little <laughs> bit of showed a little bit of life on Sunday. Yeah, they did um, against a bad defense uh, with the Giants and Sam Darnold. I think the key here was he didn't turn the ball over. I think that's the number one key. We saw him taking care of the ball. It wasn't pretty. They didn't put up big numbers, but he took care of the football, and that's critical. Uh, this is kind of a pick em to like a one-and-a-half-point line favoring Washington. Uh, that means Le'Veon Bell's going to stay involved. He finally got a rushing touchdown. He's been more involved in the passing game. Uh, I think he's got 12 catches over his last two games. That's important. And then the guy who I think really you can – Trust beyond Le'Veon Bell. The only guy you can really trust here for fantasy is Jamison Crowder. Five catches for 81 yards against the Giants. Two weeks ago, uh, with the Jets going up against the Dolphins, he caught eight passes for 83 yards. He scored in back-to-back -back games. He has been Sam Darnold's guy all year. He is a high-end wide receiver three and DFS option for me this week against a bad Washington secondary. Um, anything else Jets-wise before we move on to your guy, Dwayne Haskins? Uh, Chris Herndon, he, I, unfortunately he was a stash for me, but the hamstring injury and the suspension have essentially made this a lost season for him. Unfortunately for Herndon, 28% of the snaps and two targets last week, the number one guy, uh, at the tight end position for them is Ryan Griffin right now. None of these tight ends are worth playing. Uh, the only wide receiver from the Jets I feel good about is Crowder. But if you think Robbie Anderson or Demarius Thomas is going to be able to run past Josh Norman, or uh, uh, excuse me, that bad secondary, Josh Norman's injured. Uh, Demarius Thomas, nine targets last week if you're dying. It's not a very good fantasy team right now, Ross. No. Okay. What about for the Redskins with Haskins, man? Uh, I was surprised. Let's put it this way. I was surprised he didn't turn the ball over two weeks ago. Uh, I thought he actually showed some things. Maybe you play Terry. I, look, you have to play Terry McLaurin. Uh, it, it's a bad jet secondary. Uh, it uh, unfortunately did not work out for McLaurin against Buffalo. Well, Tredavious White shadowed him. That's uh, that you're not going to see anybody like Tredavious White against these jets. So I think you play Terry McLaurin. Unfortunately, what do we do with the backfield? Because this is a rare game in which Washington is actually favored at home. You would typically say, hey, that's an Adrian Peterson game. He ran for 100 yards his last time out against the Bills, even when they lost by 15 points. That's uncommon. Hey, what about Peterson? 
They're expecting Darius Geis to be back, and they're going to work him in. Are they going to work Chris Thompson back in coming after the bye? I can't trust any of these running backs as anything more than a dart throw at this point. At this stage of my fantasy season, if I'm playing any Washington Redskin not named Terry McLaurin, I feel like I'm in trouble. Let's leave it at that. Wow. And that's it. We can just move on to the next game. We can move on. All right, last game, the Saints at the Bucks. Michael Thomas, the only guy that kind of did what Michael Thomas normally does other than not getting a touchdown. Your thoughts on the Saints offensively in this matchup, although should be noted, big move here. The Bucks don't have Vernon Hargraves. I know that's devastating to their defensive hopes. No, that's devastating to our fantasy hopes is what that is. Uh, Vernon Hart, <laughs> if, you can't, if you can't stay on the roster as a corner on this Bucks defense, you've got some big problems uh, because this is a really bad Buccaneer defense. This is what this game reminds me of. We talked about it last week on the podcast, Green Bay coming off that game against the Chargers, a complete and utter no-show burn-the-tape game. I do not feel any differently about the Saints than I did two weeks ago. They had a... They come in with their chest puffed out. I know it was a big upset in their building. I think they are going to want to come out and drop the hammer on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers this week. Michael Thomas is my favorite wide receiver of the week for DFS. I don't think it's close. Uh, I, I think uh, you can consider, if you want to go super deep at the wide receiver position, Traquan Smith, who got two targets but made a really tough catch. They want to get him a little bit more involved. Jared Cook is back on the radar for fantasy. He caught 10 passes last uh, – excuse me, he saw 10 targets and caught six passes last week against the Falcons, and at least Alvin Kamara got the 10 targets. Um, it, it just was a bad game overall for the Saints. I am expecting a bounce back across the board from this team in week number 11 against a bad Buccaneer defense. I think the Saints are going to be PO'd. I think they're going to realize they got a break with Carolina losing. They still have their two-game lead in the division. Uh, they want to bury Tampa Bay and end their playoff hopes in week 11, and I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to score a ton of points. So Drew Brees and Michael Thomas, that is the cash game chalk stack of the week, in my opinion, on DFS. Got it. Uh, what about the the running backs for the Saints and the tight end? I don't know if Kamara looks 100%, but it's hard to uh, – nobody looked 100% for them in that game. At least Kamara played uh, played almost all of the passing down snaps. He saw 10 targets, so it looks like he got out of that game unscathed. I actually considered Latavius Murray kind of an upside flex last week because I thought they'd be closing out that game late. Obviously, that didn't happen. He had only 19 yards on se on seven touches. I, I'm going to rebound and say I think I think he could be a closer this week, even though they're on the road. I expect the Saints to bounce back. And Jared Cook's a mid to low end tight end one. It was good to see him get 10 targets in that game against uh, Atlanta last week. Um, on the other side, the Fire Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, Mike Evans, this is good news for him. Marshawn Lattimore has had his number. In recent years, Marshawn Lattimore probably isn't going to play with a hamstring injury in this game. So Mike Evans, you can fire him up. Chris Godwin, every week you can fire him up. The surprising factor for me, 
was Ronald Jones catching eight passes for 77 yards. They did a really good job in the screen game. The question I have is, does that continue? Because that's where virtually all of his fantasy production came. He had a touchdown run, but he gained only 29 yards on 11 carries, and he played under 50% of the snaps in the backfield. I don't like seeing a quote-unquote lead back get under 50% of the snaps, but there was a commitment to him in the passing game last week against Arizona, and I want to see if that continues. I consider him a running back two this week against New Orleans because you expect Tampa Bay is going to have to throw the football. Evans and Godwin, both are top five wide receiver options this week, especially with the Saints banged up in the secondary. And the other question is, does O.J. Howard, who played up and over 90% of the snaps and actually caught a touchdown pass against Arizona last week, was is he going to use that as a catalyst for the rest of his season? Or was it just a fluke because Arizona has been the golden matchup for tight ends this year? I'm still a little bit skeptical, but I think it's fair to consider O.J. Howard a low-end tight end one because at the very least, he answered the bell in a matchup when he really needed to. Anybody else? I got to tell you, by the way, Ronald Jones might be the one running back who put on a lot of weight that it actually worked for him. Yeah, he does look a little bit more explosive, uh, even more explosive, and he looks like he can break some tackles. Uh, Right When I heard a speed back who never ran physically in college, that was a problem for me. I didn't think he ran. Like, I don't think he, I don't think he, he shied away from contact. I just didn't think he was strong enough to get through the contact. But on the flip side, and I think this is what you were alluding to, this was a straight line explosive athlete, and you're worried that the weight's going to rob him of the explosiveness that got him drafted in the first place. But you're saying you don't think it's robbed him of the explosiveness, and it's actually made him a more powerful runner. Yeah, he's better. I mean, and usually when you see a guy gain like 20 pounds, I'm like, ah, sell, sell, sell. Yeah, exactly. But he, he's better. He's been better. I give him I give him a lot of credit for it. I, are we good good on the Bucks? Yeah, I think we're good on the box. And Jameis, each and every week, you know, he's somebody you can consider for, for DFS. You can consider him as a streamer, but you always have to watch out for the turnovers. And we saw that last week. Even in a victory, he threw two interceptions. Yeah, and I would say before we uh, wrap up this episode and get into uh, the one, two, three, four, five games we have left, I would say betonline.ag, that is the place to place all your bets. So you take what Joe tells you, you see what prop bets they have up at betonline.ag, you use the promo code PODCAST1 for a 50% welcome bonus, 5-0, and then you are good to go if you haven't already. Plus, if I win again, I can put $100 into more of your account. So we still have Cardinals, Niners, Bengals, Raiders, Patriots, Eagles, Bears, Rams, and Chiefs Chargers. Excellent work as always, Mr. Dolan. You, my friend, have delivered. You always do, just like Postmates delivers, by the way. We need red wine at 4 p.m., sushi at 9 p.m. How about ibuprofen at 2 a.m.? Postmate it. Postmates is your personal food delivery, grocery delivery, whatever kind of delivery service all year round 24 hours a day 365 days a year they'll bring you whatever you need within the hour for a limited time postmates is giving you guys a hundred dollars of free delivery credit for your first seven days to start your free deliveries download the app 
and use code Fantasy Feast. That's code Fantasy Feast for a hundred dollars of free delivery credit. Why not download something and get a hundred dollar credit within the first seven days when you download the Postmates app? Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. Download Postmates and save with code Fantasy Feast. That'll do it, by the way, for episode number one of the Fantasy Feast eaten podcast but we are not done oh no we are not done we've got episode two which we will record now and pop into your podcast apps shortly after midnight tonight so you got them for your morning commute or whenever you want them you got two with the goat joe dolan remember to check out today's power rankings ross tucker football podcast always very helpful other than that i'm stuffed But I got a little bit more room here. I think we're done here. Thanks for listening to the Fantasy Feast podcast. Make sure to also subscribe to the Ross Tucker football podcast, Even Money, Business of Sports, and the College Draft. All available at Apple Podcasts, RossTucker.com, or wherever podcasts can be found.